I'm going to say this as straight as I possibly can. I am begging you, if you're a parent and you've got kids there, that this subject is just too upsetting for your young children. Please get them out of the room or change the station. We urge you to exercise parental discretion. Hey, Uncle, how much you give me for this radio, huh? Now, this hot little old radio, man, is worth plenty of rubles, man. It's got, it's got lots of juice. You got uh, shortwave, police call, boats. Late at night, man, you get, you get out of space. Come on, come on, Uncle, just make me an offer. Now, this is a $100 radio, man. It's got a clear tone. Boy, that's, that's clear as a mother's old bell. That's it. Come on, baby. Show the man your power, baby. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! Oh, man. You radio, you mother! Hey, Jim, what about TV? You like TV? What? Yeah, that new thing, Jim. The television. Oh, pictures. Yeah! No, no pictures. Why not? Everything these days is pictures. Pictures and a lot of noise. Nobody even knows how to talk. Ah. <laughs> Just grunt at each other. Babies that were sacrificed for Satan. I will probably have nightmares tonight about it. From the nightmares, to the running around the room when they disclose, to the latching on, to the crying and saying, Mommy, 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 don't go out, because if you go out, they're going to kill you. Threat, intimidation, fear. Now, if you're going to stay cool, you've got to wail. You've got to put something down. You've got to make some jive. Don't you know what I'm talking about? Well, that's all I'm saying. You're a bad man. You're a very bad man. Rejection of parental values. Unusual interest in books on Satanism, black magic, or witchcraft. Obsession with rock music groups using satanic symbols or references. Rejection of friends. Preference for being alone. Meditation, chanting, use of new vocabulary. Is it the force of evil? Does it disrupt? Is it a force for everything negative? There's two kind of laws, honey. One for the rich. And one for the poor. He sees all and knows all. He's wise. He's kind. He is fair. He loves truth and goodness. Listen, you screwheads. Here's a man who would not take it anymore. A man who stood up against the scum, the dogs, the filth. Here is someone who stood up. Hey, buddy. This is the state of New Jersey, and I don't care who you are. Hello. I have flames on my car. I have flames on my car! Hotshot. You pull that hotshot stuff around me and I'll break every bone in your goddamn body. Do you understand me? And I'll pop your head like a zit. You're in for a change, mister. You're in for a whole nother ball game, buddy. Oh, yeah. see it clearly. My whole life is pointed in one direction. I see that now. There never has been any choice for me.
Uh, this uh, is Aerial View on WFMU, East Orange at Uppsala College. My name is Chris T. I'm your host. Um, this story is about the first person I ever kissed. Um, discounting relatives and those kissed out of obligation. I was 22, still living at home. I was working at some awful job somewhere and playing in a punk rock band. The band was fairly well known in our home area and we played out often enough to attract admirers. Most of the admirers were male, but there were some females. The singer and bass player in the band were able to wrangle most of the girls for themselves. They had much better lines than I and were completely mercenary about getting over on any women dumb enough or self-hating enough to go for them. The drummer had a steady girl, usually, so he didn't bother. Me? I was petrified of women. I was convinced there was nothing I had to interest any girl. Oh, I, I made friends with many girls, had crushes on quite a few. But I never levitated beyond the platonic. I was the sort of boy whom girls made a confidant. I would listen to their deep, dark stories, their tragic tales of love gone wrong, their confessions of unbridled lust for guys that weren't me. I somehow found myself in this constantly frustrating role of being the understanding pal. It was a, a part I didn't take too easily. There was this one girl, Lorraine, who came along when I was 19 or so. She was beyond fantastic. She was a little slice of female heaven, as far as I was concerned. She had shoulder-length auburn hair, a wicked sense of humor, and a crooked smile that captivated me. I somehow became her friend. We hung out whenever we could. I would drive to Brooklyn, where she lived, and we'd go places, to shows, to clubs, to the movies, usually with some of her girlfriends along. They were all great fun, but Lorraine, she stood apart. There was something about her, a sweetness that the others didn't possess, a need to laugh every few minutes that I found myself drawn to. Somehow I fell in love with her, but she wasn't in love with me. She was in love with some neighborhood jackass named John. I knew of him and his reputation for putting notches on his belt. He was a conqueror, but Lorraine didn't care. He didn't know she existed, but that's how those things go. Lorraine was like me in that respect, always falling for the person who couldn't possibly return my affection, never seeing the one who would do so gladly. She talked to me about this guy, and I'd actually listen. I was too young to know that what I should have been saying was, forget him, he's a jerk, choose me, I'm crazy about you, I drink your bathwater. I'd crawl five miles to smell the sheets you sleep on. I was nothing but a coward in those days. Somehow it happened that I slept over Lorraine's house a couple of nights in a row. I'd spend most of the night awake in a sleeping bag, not five inches from her wondrous ankle, imagining I was touching her leg. 
I remember slowly reaching out to feel her skin and getting very close. Very close. Almost there. And then pulling away. What if I woke her? What if she knew what I wanted to do? What if she got the idea that I wasn't settling for her friendship any longer? I felt immobilized. I felt like it might as well have been a deep, deep ocean between my fingertips and her ankle. Those were some of the worst nights I've ever had. And Lorraine doesn't know. She never knew because I never told her. I didn't want her to run away. I didn't want to reveal to her how horrible I felt about myself and how much I would have liked to have been beautiful for her. Like the guy she was mooning over. He was beautiful. I felt far from beautiful, though. I always have. When it came to Lorraine, I felt like Frankenstein's creature trying to befriend that little girl. If you remember the creature from Shelley's book, who is certainly not the grunting caveman of the movies, he is very articulate, and he knows why people flee from him. They find him loathsome. They are repulsed by his appearance. The creature says, and I quote, Once my fancy was soothed with dreams of virtue, of fame, and of enjoyment, once I falsely hoped to meet with beings who, pardoning my outward form, would love me for the excellent qualities which I was capable of bringing forth. I was nourished with high thoughts of honor and devotion. But now vice has degraded me beneath the meanest animal. When I call over the frightful catalog of my deeds, I cannot believe that I am he whose thoughts were once filled with sublime and transcendent visions of the beauty and the majesty of goodness. But it is even so. The fallen angel becomes a malignant devil. And as you probably know, the creature is never able to overcome the fright he generates. He resigns himself to his fate. He says, I am malicious because I am miserable. Am I not shunned and hated by all mankind? Shall I respect man when he condemns me? Let him live with me in the interchange of kindness, and instead of injury, I would bestow every benefit upon him with tears of gratitude at his acceptance. But that cannot be. The human senses are insurmountable barriers to our union. So there I am with Lorraine, trying to get her to look past my appearance, wanting her to see how good I was, how good I'd be to her, and failing miserably. She wanted John. She never once even hinted that we were anything but what we were, two people occupying roughly the same physical space who just happened to be members of the opposite sex. Lorraine and I went along for a little while, and one day I pulled up in front of her house to find all her punk rock records and Stephen King novels piled up at the curb, awaiting the garbage man. I couldn't locate her, but I found some of her friends at home, and they filled me in. She had become a born-again Christian just about overnight. I was in shock. My jaw dropped open and refused to close for hours. When I finally spoke to her again, she was spouting all that Jesus stuff and blathering. It was so sad. It was like seeing the post-lobotomy McMurphy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The person I knew as Lorraine was gone. She had been replaced by a Bible-thumping automaton. You know, I've done some reading about such things, and it's not an uncommon phenomenon. People who are verging on schizophrenia often have 
religious conversions overnight. Things had gotten to Lorraine, and she turned to the Lord with a vengeance. I never did get to kiss her. And after her, I didn't interact with girls for a long time. I couldn't bring myself to talk to one for fear of a replay. But the peer pressure at the same time was growing. The peer pressure to find a girl was at a fever pitch at that point in my life. Every one of my contemporaries had girlfriends or were getting laid or were talking about it. The guys in the band I was in flaunted their women like the trophies they were. I looked around and saw myself keeping lonely vigil over this virgin land. I was the one who would come off the stage and I'd be glad-handed by guys, nothing but guys. Great show. Excellent guitar. Those were the kind of things I'd hear from the fanboys, but just once I wanted to look up from my guitar case and see a girl, any girl, standing there. And then one night after playing a gig at this new local place, I stepped outside for a beer and was unexpectedly joined by this woman, Vicky, who had befriended the band. I was pretty sure the bass player had slept with her. It was a hunch. And I was surprised when she sat down next to me after I'd parked myself on the rear stoop of the small nightclub. We made small talk about the gig and the nice weather and the cemetery right across the highway, how it was the largest one in the country and it stretched on for miles, that kind of thing. She sat very close and I was nervous. Her right thigh was pressed hard against my left thigh and heat seemed to be radiating from the area. I remember trying to figure out why she was talking to me. I also tried to convince myself that I was attracted to her. I wasn't, though. She was very nice and extremely kind, but she was approaching 35, and she had an 18-year-old daughter at home. I also found myself distracted by her large nose. It wasn't Carl Malden large, but Eagle Beak large. It took up plenty of her face, and it made me feel so terrible to be regarding somebody the way that I had always been regarded, outwardly. I didn't want to be so superficial as to reject someone on appearance. I mean, who the hell was I, anyway? No prize package. I could tell you. So I was trying to work up this attraction when Vicky leans over and kisses me. And it was very nice. It was my first one. And she kissed me again, longer this time, and I liked it. I mean, I could suddenly understand why it was so popular. Why everybody was doing it. We kissed some more. And the bass player came out and saw us, and he seemed angry at me. I didn't care. I was making out. Soon enough, I gathered Vicky up and drove her home to my house. It was very late, and we tiptoed so as not to wake my grumpy mom. She was so grumpy that she had removed the door from my room three months earlier as punishment for me having put my foot through it. it see, it was a hollow cord door, and she came banging one night when I was enjoying the Stooges, not the Three Stooges, the other Stooges. And so I banged back with my foot, and it went whooshing through the thin veneer of one side of the door, and it came whooshing out the other side, and it left splinters in its wake. And this did not please my mother. I mean, the next day she had me remove the door and store it in the attic, and I had to hang a blanket in the doorway and get used to having no privacy. So, so Vicky and I had to be very quiet that night, and it wasn't easy. I mean, it was my first time having sex, and she was far from quiet. I kept shushing her in fear my mom would walk in, but I don't remember much else about it. The next day, we had this earnest discussion about 
things. And I realized we weren't going to repeat the events of the night before. It just didn't seem likely. I drove her home to Brooklyn, and I never heard from her or saw her again. It's strange to think that my first kiss led to the loss of my virginity. It's stranger to think about this thing called beauty. I've thought about it quite a bit, probably more than I should. If I was beautiful, I might not think about it so much. But I, I want to know, what is the biological basis of beauty? I mean, is it only skin deep, or does it impact on the way a person lives and behaves? I know women who are always so amazed at how nice men are toward them. And these are beautiful women. They don't know or can't acknowledge why men are being so nice to them. If they weren't beautiful, would the same men be as nice? Is beauty necessary to the furtherance of the species? I mean, does nature favor the beautiful? And who sets the standard for what is beautiful anyway? It certainly varies from place to place and from time to time. There's no constant that I'm aware of. Why do we all want it? Why do we all seek it out for ourselves? Because it's better than ugliness? I know that I wanted Vicky to be beautiful, and maybe she wanted the same from me. <sighs> there are those who believe that Hitler targeted the Jews for extermination because he found them aesthetically unpleasing. He didn't like their looks. And I've been guilty of equating inner qualities with outward appearance, as we probably all have. I know others have made the same judgment of me. I don't like it, but I also don't know how to overcome it. And that's the topic of today's show. If you were given a choice and you were told you could be one or the other, beautiful or smart, what would you choose? The number here is 201-678-7743. Let's hear from the beautiful people I know are in our audience and just can't wait to pick up the phone and call. 201-678-7743. You're listening to Aerial View on WFMU. I've just found joy I'm as happy as a baby boy With another brand new choo-choo joy When I met my sweet Lorraine, Lorraine Hello, welcome to the air. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Uh... Can't uh, hang in there. Uh... <laughs> Sid, what is it you want to say? Huh? Sid, huh? I, I'm really getting sick of you. Oh. Uh, Sorry. Goodbye. 201-678-7743 is the phone number here. Don't follow Sid's example. Don't call up and say, So, how you doing? What's new? That indicates that you obviously haven't been listening to the program. And I, I just don't want to take up other people's time by responding to those questions. I'm sorry. 201-678-7743. The subject of today's show, beauty. Boy, it's a beauty, isn't it? Hello, welcome to the air. Hello, Chris. Martha. You remember your first kiss? Yes. I don't remember mine. It was in a dark room. You don't remember or you do remember? I remember, but I don't know who it was. You don't know who it was? It was in a dark room. 
Um, how old were you? Six. Six years old. Yeah. And was it uh, a girl? Uh, what, what can you tell me anything about it? Well, I, yeah, I think it was. I think it was a girl. You you gotta give us some more details. Well, she had a voice like a girl. And. Oh, we kissed. Don't leave me hanging here. She was a good kisser. Man, I don't know if she was beautiful or smart, though. Well, I think she went to jail. She went to jail. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what you would rather be? Uh, well, I'm already beautiful. I'd rather just be smart. Okay, we'll try to help you with that, Martha. Keep listening to this program. Guten Tag. Guten Tag, v. Gates. Hello, welcome to the air. Hey, Chris. Hi. Uh, do you believe smart and beautiful, uh, firstly, are mutually exclusive? Uh, that could be a subject for discussion. Are you asking me to respond to that? I'm asking you, yeah. You're asking me. I, I think, said, I think... Or you pose the question, this or that, as if they don't have anything to do with one another. I don't think that they are. I think there are plenty of uh, beautiful people who are smart and plenty of smart people who are beautiful. Right. I do think, however, that it's often been my experience that... Um, beautiful people don't bother becoming smart because they don't have to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, that doesn't fit across the board. I don't make any statements that do. Except Brooke Shields. I know plenty of ugly people who are stupid, too. Right. Yeah, but you know something? So, I think rather than either one of those things... I guess the bigger question is what do we value more? I think fellowship with whatever your deity is is the biggest thing. Over, that, over and above both those. That came right out of left field. What, what do you mean? Well... It doesn't, I mean, smart or beautiful, smart or beautiful, you make them sound like one is, is, is kind of, has, you know, some profound implications and that the other one is shallow, but they're both shallow commodities. Let's limit this to a, a certain range, okay? Let's limit the parameters of our discussion. To, this is what right, I'm going to say. I, have a, I had a really beautiful girlfriend once, and uh, because she didn't have a good personality, it, like the beauty mocked her, and she looked uglier than to me than a not-so-beautiful person. So I'd have to say smart, or at least good. Okay. All right. Well, that's your personal uh, experience, and thanks for sharing it with us. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye. Number is 201-678-7743. Hello. Welcome to the air. Hi. I just wanted to say that uh, for, for a, a girl like in high school and stuff, uh, being known as a smart girl can be a real liability. A liability how? Because a lot of guys are intimidated by that. Like, I used to be a good chess player when I was, like, 12, and, and a lot of guys were, like, you know, they, were, they didn't like that. They didn't like that you were a good chess player? No, even though I was okay, you know, pretty okay looking. But, mm. but by the way, I have a roommate that is stunningly beautiful, and she talks sort of like Ginger on Gilligan's Island, uh -huh. and, and she's well-read. Do you want to talk to her? <laughs> sure. She's a cutie. Here. Yeah. Stunningly Hello? beautiful. You've been described as stunningly beautiful. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say I'm stunningly, stunningly beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Do, are you aware of your beauty? Uh uh. No. So you don't feel beautiful. No. You you wouldn't. If someone asked you to describe yourself, you wouldn't describe I yourself. I would say I'm way. weird looking. How so? Um. I have a weird shaped nose. I'm really pale. Mm-hmm. Have funny looking eyes. 
And <laughs> There's a lot of laughter in the background. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm really weird looking. Are you pursued by uh, members of the same or opposite sex? Um, yes, go listen on the extension. That's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, not really. No? Every time I go somewhere with my roommate, she says that all the guys are looking at me, but I never notice. Really. Okay. I die when she, walk by, when she walks by. Now, you notice this, but she doesn't. Yeah, because she's, she's, uh, she's, she's self-conscious. She's self-conscious? Yeah. Because she's gorgeous. So you can expect that. Wow, that this sound. This is a very interesting thing. So, if you had to answer the question that I asked earlier about beauty versus smart, See, I didn't really hear it because I don't get your station in my room. Oh, well, obviously, so your, what was the question? Your again? roommate gets the question. Gets the uh, it, the what, show. If I'd rather be smart or beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know because you know when I was in school, I was always known as smart, I was mm-hmm. a nerd, kind of. And now, now I'm out of school, and people just think I'm pretty, and they don't really think I'm smart anymore. I think I'd rather be either both or neither. <laughs> so you'd like to be ugly and stupid. You'd either rather be beautiful, <laughs> rather be beautiful and beautiful smart. and smart. Oh, I see. Okay, that that doesn't really fit into the discussion, but, uh, you know. Well, <laughs> well I didn't hear, like I said, I didn't get to hear the whole discussion. Oh, you'll have to ask your roommate to fill you in. Yeah, I'll turn up the radio. Thanks. Okay, thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Bye. Um, the number here is 201-678-7743. Hello, welcome to the air. Yeah, hi there. I'm here to talk to Chris about the question. This is him. Oh, really? I'm on the air. Oh. Yes, you are. Yeah, because I guess there's a delay. Um, you yeah, got you to turn, really... you turn your radio down. Yeah, give me a second. Wait up. Um, I think you really tapped into something when you talked about Hitler and the Jews. Because okay. I think it has a lot to do with ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And basically, like myself, I've been called very attractive looking, mm-hmm. but I'm very exotic looking. And I tend to be attracted towards um, people who are very plain and very European looking. Plain and European looking? Yeah, like uh, with very small straight noses type. Um, I haven't really been attracted to very exotic looking people now you're not are you not attracted to women from your ethnic background um i have been but for the most part no really yeah i i mean it's nothing i don't know if it's by choice or just naturally what i'm attracted to um this is very interesting now what people are attracted to how, how did this come about in you did you do you remember how you first thought of something as beautiful or you thought of uh uh the female ideal okay, beauty. Okay, um, barraged by images of, say, um, James Bond and the women he would get in his films. Mm-hmm. No, he did get exotic women, that's true. But, yeah. you know, basically the Hollywood type of woman, and which I guess mm, it's real hard to explain. I can't really get down to the roots of it. What about but, uh, Playboy? What about um, no, men's never, magazines? No, no, I was never the, really... Those never entered into the shaping of your uh, ideal yeah, of feminine beauty. Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. A little bit, but not much. Not to the same extent that I'm sure a lot of other people have been. But I think that's like, in other words, if I grew up in, say, India, and to me the most beautiful woman in the world was an Indian woman, mm-hmm. and I wasn't constantly watching television, or I had constant pictures in front of me of beautiful white American women, mm-hmm. would I consider her still the most beautiful woman? You know? Yeah. I think um, that's something that needs to be thought about. So it has a lot to do with where you come from how you were brought up, like, you know, 
I think that's basically. So the question of beauty is, like you said, the standards. That's right. a question that has to be constantly thought about. To me, I've basically learned more and more to just love people for who they are and how they think. Uh, but you can't, you can't seem to get away from, you know, gravitating towards people that are quote unquote beautiful or attractive. So, uh huh. Okay. Know. By the way, I want to say hi to my cousin Heidi. Hello, Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. I don't have a cousin named Heidi myself. I'm sorry. There was just somebody on that line. If you've hung up recently, call back. 201-678-7743. Uh, we began this discussion with a confession from me on uh, relating to the experiences of my first kiss. And um, I'm extremely confused by all this stuff. Sometimes I, I turn to you to try to straighten out that confusion, and sometimes it works, sometimes sometimes it doesn't. I leave more confused. Hello, welcome to the air. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm great. How are you? All right, I was listening to your discussion. I'm trying to turn down my radio. Sorry. My muting button isn't working. It's a terrible disaster. Sorry about that. Hello? Yes. Hi. Yeah, I heard your, uh, I heard your story. Okay. I was quite intrigued. And I've decided that uh, probably I'd rather be smart than beautiful. Uh-huh. Because um, I think if you're smart, you can uh, sort of make yourself, make people think you're beautiful. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm. Very interesting. Or you can become more attractive to people. You could use makeup. You could use makeup. Sure. You could, well, you know, you take the case of many of these uh, celebrities who, you know, I mean, Mick Jagger is a great example. Now, do you think he's beautiful? I mean, do women think he's beautiful? If um, he, if he think... was cleaning their hallways, would they think he was beautiful? No, I guess charismatic, you know, sexy, I guess. Uh, there are other words you could use, you know. He's not classically a beautiful male. No. no. You know. But there are, uh, there are ways to make people believe that you are beautiful. Okay, thanks I for calling. You got it. You could just pay them. Hello, welcome to the air. Well, I'm going to sort of pick up where he left off. I don't think um, you use your cleverness to, to create a beautiful person if you're not physically beautiful. It's just that... Your personality obviously feeds the overall image. You know, like if you see someone who appears beautiful at first glance and you hear them talk, very often you'll find that they're not as attractive as you thought they were, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So they obviously feed each other. Um, so what about your first kiss then? What about Maybe it? that's what we should be discussing. All right, what do you want to know about it? You remember it? Yeah. And? And I details, like details, details, like details. It. I liked it. <laughs> uh-huh. How old were you? Um, 16, I guess. 16. Yeah, 16. All right, now I'm getting angry. Why do you keep interrupting this program? Hello? Hey. What? What do you have to say? What could you possibly say that's important enough to interrupt Lou Monty? Just wondering where you've been the past few weeks. I, where the hell do you think I've been? Don't know. I'm sorry. You've got me in a bad time. I don't feel like talking. There's nothing to talk about, okay? You want to know the truth? Life is short. 
Okay? That's about it. That's all you need to know. Wow. I have nothing left to say. What has brought all this on? <sighs> oh, man. You're usually so talkative on Friday evening. I know. Hello, welcome to the air. <laughs> Hello? Are you just going to play old music? Oh, man. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with it? What's, what do you got? What's wrong with Little Monty? <laughs> it's boring, man. It's bo- I'm sick of it. You're sick of it? Yeah. I can't win. I cannot <laughs> win. I, I mean, if I play records, people complain about it. If I talk, people complain about it. I can't win. I think you should just talk. Talk about what? You t- you you give me a topic. I'll gladly talk about it. What do you want to talk about? Um, color forms. No, you don't want to talk about color forms. You can't talk about color forms for like m- two minutes. That's about it. <laughs> play something different. No, no, you wanted me to talk. Now, now you're saying play something. What is this? What am I, a jukebox? Yes. I don't think so. Do you hear coins clinking? <laughs> My coins, yes. Well, man. All right, what do you want to hear then? You don't even know what you want to talk about? Mm, what do I want to hear? I want to hear something. You sound like real goofy. Do you know that? Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> you want to hear? I want to hear. Mm. Um, Bob Mold. You want to? I want to hear Bob Mold. I don't want to hear Bob Mold. What about me? Do I have any say in this? Um. Well, what do you got besides Lou Monty? <laughs> I got Louis Prima. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go now. You don't want to talk? No. There's nothing that's of interest to you in this world. I'm putting records away. Can you hear that? Mm-mm. It's a big pain in the ass. This is why I don't do a music program. I hate this. I hate <laughs> putting records away. We'll pull some new ones out. <sighs> okay, well, just yeah, just to please you. Okay, you okay. got it. Thank you. I'm sure you're used to being pleased. H- Hello? Hello, welcome to the air. She sounded very cute. Yeah. Big deal. Hello, welcome to the air. Hello? Hey, uh, what's the topic tonight? Uh, shut up. Hello? Hi. Yeah? Uh, listen, I love your show. Yeah? Uh, all, yeah? All I want to say is that Andy Breckman is probably going to be laughing if you keep this up much longer. Laughing? What do you mean? How do you mean? Well, you know how he always says at the beginning of his show, he, uh, he uh, hope he succeeds and all the uh, other shows fail, but uh, may he be perceived as a team player. So he'll probably come up to you. You know, after the show, and it's been such a bomb and all. Let me tell you something about Andy Breckman. First of all, this show has not been a bomb. Yeah. This show has not bombed. There hasn't been a show. That's number one. Number two, let me tell you something about Andy Breckman. Yeah. Okay? Andy Breckman doesn't know the first thing about WFMU. Andy Breckman is an interloper. He's an outsider with a program. He has absolutely no interaction with the staff. He doesn't ever come to staff meetings. He doesn't really care about this station outside of doing his little hour-long ego stroking every Wednesday. You want me? You want me to get started on Andy Breckman? Do you really want me to get started? Well, that, you, you've already started. It's pretty good. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. He he <laughs> he's had no success in Hollywood. And his next picture will be a complete bomb. And I don't care that I'm saying this because he's not even listening to this program. I tune into Andy Breckman's program every Wednesday mm-hmm. for Ken. And he's not even listening to my program. He doesn't even listen to my program. He doesn't even care. Right. Okay? Well, I, I don't know about that. You know, he, he, it seems like he puts his feelers out to see what's going on, you know. Feelers, schmealers. Listen, pal. 
which one of us is here, me or you? Uh, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a medical records clerk, uh, okay, slash, would slash I, nightclub singer. Would I dare? Would I dare to, to to pretend to be an expert about either one of those things? Yeah, why not? You're on the radio. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I interrupted Lou Monty for this to get into an Andy Breckman discussion. Well, you, I just know that that's what he says, and you know. Let's, let's face it, you guys are a bunch of laid-back liberals up there at WFNU. You know, everything's cool, everything's open-minded, but, you know, it's a cutthroat world out there, radio, you know? And first of all... Even what, when you're not getting paid. You, you really don't know what the hell you're talking about, do you? Mm. You really have no idea. First of all, Andy Breckman's show is... It was pretty piece, brilliant this week. It was, oh, it was, it was hilarious. It was the most yeah. brilliant thing that I've ever heard of, and I'm sure it was Ken's idea. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. You take Ken Freeman off of that program, you know what you'd have? What? You'd have this program. <laughs> oh, oh, that's Ken funny. Ken Freeman there? Ken Freeman's home with a new baby. What does he want to bother with this for? Oh, he had, the, he had the baby. What did he have? He had a boy. That's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? And you're wasting my time with this crap? Goodbye. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the air. Yeah, what's the aerial view? Aerial view. Yes, what about Aerial View? What is the Aerial View? There is thing? no way. I, look, I don't know. I'm really, I'm freaking out. I'm, I've had it. Hello, welcome to the air. Hi, is this Christy? Yes. Hi. Um, I, Aren't you glad I'm not an alcoholic? Uh, well, I was wondering if you're taking requests. I am glad you're not an alcoholic. I, I love your voice. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. Yeah. Tell me something I don't know. If you're freaking out, I highly recommend... Hello, welcome to the air. Hi, Chris, this is Elf. Why do I bother? I don't know. Ah, uh, you're listening to WFMUF. Hello, welcome to the air. Have you tried heroin for your problem? Uh, no. No? It might uh, relax you a little bit. Hey, you gotta... You, uh, you seem to be freaking out. Or you say you're freaking out. I can't see you, obviously. I'm 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 freaking out. But you're pounding the desk. I hear you pounding things. You're you're getting frustrated. You're aggravated. You know. I'm disintegrating before your eyes. I'm coming apart. This is like a nervous breakdown on the air. Aren't you glad you tuned in? I I'm glad to be. Isn't with this the again. most exciting thing you could call and tell your friends that? Uh, forget Andy Breckman's show. There's a guy who's <laughs> having a nervous breakdown. He's freaking on the air. On the air. You got to check this out. Yeah. Is that? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, Chris, right? Yes. Oh, wow. Well, you didn't say you're on the air. So yes, you're on the air. Okay. You know, there is a... Uh, Hello? You're on the air. Go ahead. There's an election coming up. You can talk about that. Nah, screw that. I don't care about the election. Hello? Welcome to the air. Hey, Chris. Yes. I had a horrible day myself. Yeah? And um, my father's in the hospital. I had a bad day at work. The Louis Prima sounds great. I have no problem with it. You're you got it. it. You got it. Goodbye. Right. Well, Chris, I just wanted to tell you, as far as pure entertainment goes, this has been one of your best shows so far. <laughs> I am enjoying thanks, it. Thanks, thanks, Siskel. I'm waiting for Ebert to call now. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay, quickly, between songs. Chris, cheer up. Rumor has it that you're the godfather to uh, Ken's kid. Really? Yeah. Where'd you hear this? Well, I'm just trying to cheer you up. It's a rumor. You're making it up, though. It's a vicious rumor. I want you to cheer up. That What, a, f a rumor that turns out to be false is going to make me happy? No, but you used to be my favorite DJ. Now I think Jones is surpassing you. Really? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I'm not a DJ. Well, you, you know that I don't DJ. Well, your personality. Yeah. Well, do you want Jonesy to surpass you? Well, listen, Glenn Jones has surpassed me in every way imaginable. He is also a god among men. Oh, okay. He uh, moves with a style and a grace that I can never achieve. He is a figure untouched. He is a star in the firmament, the brightest star in the firmament. I am not fit to carry his sweat-laden shoes. You happy? Get off. Get off. Goodbye. The noise. The pressures. The decisions. The noise. A man screams for quiet. A man wants sanity in the confusion. Man wants release from the pressures. They say Christ cares and wants to help. No money-back guarantee you will be free of noise, confusion, pain, pressures, decisions. Uh -uh. He just says, trust me, man. Trust me. I've been through it all. I understand. And I'll help you. And there's hope in that. The preceding brought to you by your station. Hey, little woman, please make up your mind. You've got to come, come into to my world. sunshine even when I'm standing in the rain something happens that I can't explain when I hear your name but you can't help it that you're always chasing rainbows in your mind there's so much I want to say to you and there's so little time Leave your world.
see When you're walking down a busy street And I'm not there It's my picture hanging in your mind Walking with you there That's how it is in my world, girl You're with me all the time Why don't you come into my world And leave your world behind Hey, little... Yes? Um, hello, Chris? Yes. Could you please play What's New Pussycat? I'll see what I can do. We've only got 15 minutes left, though. Okay. Okay? Thanks. Bye. I mean, 25 minutes. You're listening to Aerial View on WFMU, East Orange in Uppsala College. FMU. Hello? Yes? Hello? Hey, Chris, I have jury duty in a couple of weeks. Yeah? Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a convicting mood, let me tell you. Yeah, and? Well, someone's going to get convicted. I don't care what they did or didn't do. I'm glad for you, pal. Well, don't be glad for me. Be glad for society at large. Yeah, okay, let's all sing a song of joy, okay? Well, you start, okay? Yeah, what the hell do you want? Yeah? I love you. What? FMU. Hello? Welcome to the air. Why are you taking my calls in the middle of the music? Why are you calling in the middle of the music? Well, maybe... Better question? Yes? Maybe you have questions about... You're listening to WFMU East Orange at Uppsala College, and this is Aerial View. Notice we're not doing much talking. I have nothing to talk about today. This is the end of what's been a really lousy week, which started last Friday. Lousy seven days. You probably don't remember this, but I own a Jeep Wrangler, and I store the hardtop in front of the place where I live, and it was stolen last Saturday, 
And the convertible top that's on the car now is like coming apart at the seams and it blows off every now and then and it's got like huge tears in it and stuff and somebody else is riding around nice and warm and safe and cozy by the fruits of my labor. And man, that makes me angry. It makes me really angry. And if I ever see this top, and believe me, I can identify it. I know. There are three identifying marks that you could you could do nothing about. You could paint over them. It doesn't matter. I would still be able to tell if I see that top on somebody's car. Whoa. Woe to the man. Woe to the man who has robbed me. And this is like the third sort of robbery of, of property of mine in the last month. Well, I'm not thrilled about that at all. And then there were some other things that went on, but we're not going to talk about that, are we? And no. We are going to continue on for the next 15 minutes until Mr. Finewine comes in, and boy, will you, you will heave a sigh of relief that could be heard everywhere across the tri-state area when he does that. You'll go, man. Chris is out of there. Wow. And uh, this show will be back to its usual form next Friday. Either that or, uh, <clears throat> you know, it won't. So, uh, with all due respect, uh, oh, another thing that happened last weekend, which was actually good. Uh, it wasn't that good. It's not worth mentioning. This is WFMU East Orange at Uppsala College, and up next, Mr. Fine Wine with a program of Soul at 7 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, William Berger with the Hip Bone Program. More Lou Monty, you said? Did someone say more Lou Monty? Well, your guess is as good as mine. I pressed the button. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. Why is it vexing me this way? Oh, I see what I did wrong. Okay, we'll just try that again. Some people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You load 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go I owe my soul to the company store Older and deeper in depth Another day older and deeper in Another day older and the sun didn't shine Another day older and shovel and I walked to the mine Another sixteen tons A number nine coal and the straw ball set Another day older and six Another day older and Another day older and deeper in depth. Another day older and deeper in depth. Another day older and deeper in depth. Another day older and deeper in Another day older and deeper in depth. Another day older and skin and depth. Another day older and deeper in Saint Peter, Saint Peter, don't you call me? Peter, don't you call me? Another call me? Peter, don't you call me? Saint Peter, don't you call me? Another day older and strong. Another day older and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in depth. Older and deeper in depth. Another day older and deeper in 
welcome to the air. Well, good evening. I love you. I love you too. How did you know? Just it, that song, it made me cry. Well, you know the song that really got me? Uh. You've had me mesmerized all evening. What song? The Homer and Jethro tune about El Paso. Oh, Homer and Jethro <laughs> do it to me too. You know, Homer and Jethro, you know, what can I say about them? I think their work speaks for itself. I just couldn't thank you enough for playing it. You really like Homer and Jethro. Who did you like better, Homer or Jethro? Well, it was Velveeta, actually. That's oh, Velveeta. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, actually, I've tried to play the guitar, and that's the one song that I tried to play. You know, I'm a guitar player. I heard that. Can you give lessons? I might. I <laughs> might do that. <laughs> I might take your money. Okay, well, I guess that means you want to hear my credentials. Look, I have a tape here of the last band I was in. And just mm -hmm. as a special treat for you, I'll play my favorite song off of that tape. Excellent. How's that? I'll listen up. Okay, and thanks for being our last caller today, and next week's program is going to